Welcome to the Gap Church Podcast, where we're filling the gap through freedom and the truth. Please enjoy this week's message. Uh, if you do not know me, my name is uh, David Oluwadara Potusin. I'm one of the leaders here at the Gap Church. Um, welcome. Uh, I hope you all are well. If this is your first time, this is the gap where we're filling the gap through freedom and the truth. Freedom and the truth. And so thank you for joining us. Um, we are super privileged, um, whether this is your first time or this is your 100th time. We thank you for choosing us um, because you could have chosen anywhere. Trust me, this church is everywhere. <laughs> um, so thank you. Um, I'm really excited today. Uh, we just finished our series, Living Water, last week. Can we make some noise for that? Um, and that was an amazing series. Uh, as we saw, um, just man, God really do a lot, and I think really set us up because we are in a. We're about to actually. We're pretty much in the season already. As Lalade um, announced earlier during announcements, that we are going to be entering into prayer and fasting pretty soon. Can we make some noise about that? And so I think I want us to realize that we don't stop. That's the reality. We don't stop. Uh, we don't plant. We don't. We don't get all hip-hop for a conference, and then we just slow vacation mode for the rest of the year. We can't stop because, uh, yeah, we can't stop. We ain't, we ain't pressing the brakes on nothing. And so today, um, uh, we are not starting a new series, so I'm not going to say our new series is no, no, don't worry. We need a break. Um, but uh, today, um, God has given me a, a topic that I believe all of us can really just um, relate with. And I think that is going to really help us as followers of Christ. Amen? Amen. So I want us to um, open our scripture to Luke 14, 28. Luke 14, 28. Um, Luke 14, 28 to 30. And I'm going to uh, read the scripture. Um, some of us may know this. Um, but Jesus is talking to a few people. I'll give us some context before. Jesus is speaking to a few people, and there's some people that want to become Jesus' disciples, right? And what is a disciple? Somebody that follows, follows a person. So there's people that want to become disciples of Jesus, and they're, and they're speaking to him like, Jesus, I want to I I follow you. I want to follow you around. I want to be a part of your, your team, part of your people, you know. Um, just like many of us, we are followers of Christ, right? And so Jesus is so funny because Jesus is low-key petty um, sometimes, um, so basically they're telling him all of this, and Jesus responds, and he says to them, uh, in verse 28, he says, For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost? Whether he has enough to finish it, lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him. Um, Jesus be speaking like foreign language, right? Um, but basically what Jesus is saying here is that no one is going to want to build a house or building, right? And um, they will not really look into all the details that are required in the foundation or everything else and just start building. Why? Because at the end, if they don't have enough materials to build this house, people are going to just laugh at them. Like, why would you build a house without actually, like, going into the details, counting the cost of what it really takes to build a house, right? And so this is what Jesus is saying to these people. And so we'll get back to that. Um, I'll, I'll kind of draw a parallel. Um, who knows Telfar? My ladies, <laughs> right? <laughs> Heard. Telfar, if you don't know what Telfar, Telfar is a bad company, right? Um, very popular in pop culture. And so recently, I think it was like September last month, Telfar had like a whole, what was it, like a restock, right? A full-on restock. And so um, for the ladies that know about Telfar, like they never really be having restocks, like full restocks like that, right? Like, they, am I right? 
Right. It's usually like a different color every single month or so, and you really don't want that color. You want like a specific color, right? And so the thing about it is that it's funny because I remember I was looking through, I was sitting, I was, I was sitting next to my cousin, and um, that they had the drop, and literally, you know, she wanted to buy a purse, whatever, and so she, she, she opened the website, and, and here's the thing, you know, she's like, okay, I want this one, right? So she got, I think it was like a yellow one. She got it, she's like, I want this, this one. But then she was like, you know, let's be real though, who knows when they're really gonna open it again? So let me just get another one, and then let me just get one more. And so now it's like, some of y'all guilty. Don't, don't, be, don't be trying to be fake. Y'all guilty for it too. So now, now, now the total is not like 130. It's like 450. But it's Telfar though. It's Telfar though. But it's so funny because like when I was thinking about that, I was thinking about many times that I've done that before. Maybe like I really don't need something and I just go ahead and get it. And the worst part about being in those situations is that usually when you're in those situations, like after the fact, like maybe like a month later or maybe like even two weeks later, you'll realize like, dang, I shouldn't have spent that money. Like I'm really hungry. <laughs> like the rent is due. Guys, that's problematic. Don't buy stuff over your rent. <laughs> um, but the reality is that in situations like that, the term that they call it is impulse buying. And it's the reality when people understand that when you get to that position of checking out, because of how your emotions are, you may or may not purchase something else because of your emotions, right? And so how does it relate to the scripture? I want us to realize that when Jesus is talking to the disciples or talking to the people that want to follow him, he's saying that if you don't count the cost, you're going to be looked at foolishly. And so if you're taking notes today, the title of my message is, did you count this cost? Did you count this cost? It's a question. Did you count this cost? The thing about this scripture I want us to realize is that Jesus is, is, is telling these people this because here's the thing. It's so easy to be in the hype of things, right? You know that Jesus does amazing miracles, you know, blessings, so many great things. Imagine during that time he's healing people. Bro, he's feeding the 5,000 like, you know, um, it's enjoyment life, right? But he's saying that, like, this is not what I'm really about. Like, this is great. This is the fruits that come from following me, but there's more to the story, right? And so I think a lot of us, when we come into relationship with God, it's very easy for us to account for some of these things. Right? I'm going to follow Jesus. You know, all I got to do is be a cheerleader for Jesus outside. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Woo! You know, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus, right? We think it's, that's what we really think about it. I just got to spread Jesus' name. But there's something that we never count because when it comes to being a disciple, what did I say? Disciple is basically following Jesus, right? Walking with Jesus. And some of us don't ever realize that there's some things that we need to take into consideration when it comes to walking with Jesus. And so the question that, 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 I, that I ask is, did you count this cost? Is specific to one thing that I want to speak about, and it is your emotions. Did you count your emotions in the cost of following Jesus? That's the question we're addressing today. Did you count your emotions in the cost for following Jesus? You counted everything else. You counted the, I might lose some friends here. I might have to wear, you know, buy, buy some forgiven shirts. <laughs> I might have to have a bracelet that says, uh, uh, what would Jesus do? But you didn't count your emotions. I want us to, to, to understand we are in a culture that has idolized emotions, right? 
We are in a culture that is all about self-care. Nothing wrong with it, guys. Nothing wrong with self-care. Trust me, we need it. But as idolized self-care, as I was saying in the first service, idolized this term, soft life, right? Soft life means basically no stress. Fly me out, private. <laughs> Full pay dinners. <laughs> See, <clears throat> I hope my guys are looking. If there was a girl that raised her hand, <laughs> you know what you're signing up for. <laughs> She said, some of, some, of the, some of the women in here are like, shoot, this is how I am. You're going to take me or leave, take it or leave it. <laughs> shoot, high value. I need a high value. <laughs> Y'all are funny, man. You know, but we're in a society that is constantly uh, uh, using the verbiage, I chose me. I chose me. You know, I, I've been through everything, but I had to choose me. Like, the job was, but I had to choose me. Like, I had to choose me. We are, we are in a, we are in a, a society that, um, that is basically built off of feeding our appetites, right? I, I know this is going to be a very controversial thing to say, but we are in a society that tries to hide all the selfish and prideful decisions under mental health. I had to, you know my mental health? Shut up, you're prideful. You know my mental health? It's because you're lazy. Just be real. Like, you don't want to do the sacrifice. And here's the thing. I'm not being, trust me, there's people that actually struggle with it. And I think that's important to understand. There is people that struggle with it. There is a lot of people that have idolized it so much that they're actually becoming out of the will of God. So, I'm not here to uh, bash emotions in any way. Trust me. We're all for emotions. Um, I want us to realize that the, uh, the definition for emotions, if you're taking notes, is very simple. A strong feeling. A feeling is an idea or belief deriving from one's circumstances, mood, or relationship with others. A strong feeling, idea or belief, deriving from one's circumstances, mood, or relationship with others. It's important to, to, to know that emotions are good. If God created them, they are good, right? 1 Timothy 4.4 4 says that everything that God has created is good. Nothing is to be rejected, but everything is to be received with a prayer of thanks. So if God has created it, it is good. Don't let anybody tell you a lie. And that's for everything, right? So emotions are good. God would never put something in your body that will destroy you. But here's the reality. There's some things that can contort it and distort it to end up destroying you, right? Another thing we have to understand is that emotions drive our actions, um, for those in the medical field and for some of us who've been in these situations, this is some examples of that is um, a fight or flight response, the freeze response. These are things that um, our emotions put us into when we're in certain situations of stress. Um, emotions tell us what we're dealing with. You see someone that, is, that looks kind of sad or upset, you'll probably ask them a question, is everything okay? Because our emotions can actually like show, right? And emotions have wisdom. They tell us something that's important in our life that it's changing or needs attention. So if we're feeling a certain way, it gives us a prompting that maybe there's something that we need to check out, right? Now, the thing is this. I don't understand, and I want you to, to get this in your mind. Why in the world don't we account for emotions? Because we really should. We really should account for emotions. And this is why. If you look at most of the sins in the Bible... If you go back to Galatians, I think it's Galatians 16, when it's talking about the fruit of the Spirit. In that same scripture, I'll read it here. Galatians, oh yeah, Galatians 5, sorry, oops. Galatians 5, 19 to 21. 
It's talking about the fruit of the Spirit. But in the same scripture, from verse 19, it says, now the works of the flesh. So it's talking about the works of the flesh, right? Not the Spirit. It says, the works of the flesh, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousness, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambition, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, right? All of these things that are mentioned here come from emotions. Let's be real. Like, it's an emotion that prompts these actions, right? If you want to look at wrath, that's an emotion. It's tied to an emotion. That is when your anger explodes into something bigger, right? If you want to look at envy, it starts from an emotion and can lead to envy. Adultery. It starts from an emotion that may lead to lust, and that leads to action. So most of the sins that are talked about in Scripture are tied, and the root of it comes from our emotion. That is why we have to count it. If we don't count the cost of emotion, we are literally telling ourselves that, you know what, if I sin, I sin. (laughs) If I sin, I sin. If I sin, I sin. But why haven't we counted it? I was saying this earlier in the first service that many of our experiences with God have been based on emotions. We have blinded ourselves to really knowing when it's God and when it's our emotions. Many of us have come into this faith based on our emotions. Many of us, our relationship with Christ is sustained on emotions. If God does not do something for you this month, ah, oh, you're beefing. If God does not do a miracle every year, you're questioning the relationship. You have not learned how to just walk with God, and you've kept it transactional. And every time something does not work out for you, I'm upset with God. Me and God are beefing. Because we've based our relationship off of our emotions. You have to understand that if you don't count your emotions, there's four things that I want us to write down that will literally come to our, like, that will destroy us. Because we're supposed to be walking with Christ, right? Number one, if we do not count our emotions, number one, you will lose faith in God. Completely. Completely lose faith in God. Why is this? You see, in many situations when you're walking with Christ, there's some things that he's going to ask and require of you that if you continue to base your life off of emotions, you're going to continue to question and never understand it. It's not for you to understand. It's not for you. There's some things that God is going to ask you to do that you will have no understanding of why. You just do it. It's obedience. There's some situations that God is going to say that, oh, pray for this person that has harmed you. What? What? What do you mean? There's some very hard truths that you're going to have to go through. Some of us have, have, have problems with family members, friends. God is saying reconcile it. Uh-uh. But they was the one that, that did that. You see, if we let our emotions rule us, we will continue to question God to the point that we don't even believe in what he's doing in us anymore. We will continue to grow further and further and further away. Because why in the world would you serve something that you don't believe in? Why in the world would you... S- why would you get on a, a, let's be real, why would you get on a ride that you don't believe is safe, right? 
And that's the thing. If we continue to base our, our actions off of emotions, we will continue to move further and further away because we don't think walking with Christ is safe. Number two, if you don't count the cost of emotions and even pay it, I'm not just, I'm not just asking us to count it, but we got to pay the price of it too. If you don't do this, number two, you will lose your place and purpose. In Scripture, we don't have to read it, 1 Kings 19, if y'all want to go home and read it. Um, it talks about Elijah, Elijah who had just called for the rains to come down. Called for the rains to come down, ended the drought. He's on a, uh, I mean, that's a huge thing. He's on a spiritual high, if, I, if you ask me. And we see that Jezebel sends a word out, basically telling Elijah that, I'm going to get you. And so we see Elijah is now found in the cave, and he's scared, and he's basically saying that, you know what, um, I'm the only one at this point, you know, I've been serving God so much, you know, but I'm the only one that is, that is, that is standing firm for him. And, and we see God approach Elijah and ask him one question. He says, what are you doing here in this cave? Why are you here? And so Elijah, of course, responds to, to God and says, I mean, well, God, if you really think about it, I'm like the only person that hasn't bowed down to bow. I'm serving you, and the queen wants to kill me, blah, blah, blah. And at that moment, God does not even ask him a question back. God says, okay, cool. If you believe that, if you are so scared that you believe you're the only person in this position representing me, cool, go and anoint somebody else to take your position. By the way, there's 7,000 people just like you. You see, emotions will make you believe that it's just you. And you see, from this point on, imagine a man that spoke a drought and then undid the drought has now been replaced in his purpose just because of the emotion of fear. Number three. If you do not count and pay the cost of emotions, your, emotion, your, your obedience will always be swayed. Your obedience will always be swayed. Almost tying to the first point I said, there's a lot of things that God is going to request of you to do that you're not going to understand. And the reality is that you are probably not going to want to do it. And because of that, you may step into disobedience. We see that in the story of Saul in the scripture. I'll give you the scripture of 1 Samuel 13. You can read through it when you go home. If you look at the scripture, we see that Saul is tasked and given the command that, uh, from Samuel, don't burn the, the, the offering until I come. And, and we see that uh, 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 Saul has a very, um, is very insecure. He comes from a small tribe. And so Saul starts to realize he's waiting for Samuel. It's the seventh day. Samuel said the seventh day I'll be here. He starts looking around, and he's like, there's nobody here. And so at that point, Saul his insecurity becomes, becomes triggered because the people that were following him start to forsake him. Where's the Samuel guy that's supposed to help us out? And so they start to leave Saul. And Saul, out of insecurity, now goes and burns the offering that Samuel instructed him to wait for. And so Saul now not only is disobedient to Samuel, but disobedient to God because in that time, it's only the priests that are supposed to burn the offering. And at the moment when he finishes burning the offering, Samuel shows up. What a coincidence. <laughs> Samuel shows up and at that moment is completely angered and says to, to, to Saul, you have just lost your kingship. You have just lost. I think in the scripture it says, your generations were secured, but you've lost it now. Number four, if you don't pay the cost, 
of your emotions, you will lose your blessing. When we look into the story of Moses, Moses, we all know Moses. Moses, the one that got the rod out, put it in the sea, and the sea parted. Moses, the one that uh, uh, had such a relationship with God. Moses, that is probably the only people in Scripture to really uh, see a part of God. And we get to this point that Moses is pissed off with the Israelites. And so the Israelites are pissing him off, and, you know, um, they're thirsty. And so God tells Moses, speak to the rock, and the water will come out. Uh, and in, in, a, in a scripture before then, God had spoken to Moses before, saying something similar. But he said back then, you know, I want you to strike the rock and the water will come out. But in this instance, Moses, if you look at the scripture, I'll read it real quick for you guys to let you guys understand it. Numbers 20 verse 7, it says this. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, take the rod, you and your brother Aaron gather the congregation together, speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will yield it water. Thus you shall bring water for them out of the rock and give, give drink to the congregation and their animals. Now this is what's crazy. Verse 9, it says this. So Moses took the rod before the Lord as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock. And he said, this is how you know Moses was acting out of anger. He says, here now, you rebels. <laughs> Here now, you rebels. <laughs> Must we bring you water out of this rock? A little bit of attitude. Then Moses lifted his hand and struck the rod twice with his rod. And water came out. But at that moment, he had disobeyed God because of anger. And after, you, after the scripture, you find that God tells Moses that because of your disobedience, and taking glory for yourself. Because in that moment, not only, did he, not only was he disobedient, but he basically made it seem like he was the one that provided the water. Because of that sin, you will not be allowed to enter the promised land. What you have basically done your whole life for, you will never get to see it and walk in it. Your whole life, purpose, and mission, you won't even get to taste it. Just because of an emotion. The person, the point person, the tolerant one, the one that was on behalf of them, now has to watch from afar as they reap the benefits that he should have been reaping as well. And this is why, more than ever, as I'm closing, we have to realign our emotions. Give your emotions to God. I think we're in such a great time just as much as, of course, I said all these things of how emotions can be idolized. I think we're in an amazing time in our, in our, in our, in, in our age um, because I think there's so many things such as therapy and counseling that are available. And something happened to me when I was preparing this message. I thought to myself, I've never thought of the idea of going to therapy to help me to, to be within the will of God. I've never thought of it in that perspective, that maybe I need something so that I can stay within the will of God. Just for thought. And so, we need to realize that there's nothing that God will ask of us that his son did not do. There's three examples that I want us to highlight very quickly of how Jesus put his emotions in check. The first one was when Jesus overcame Satan in the wilderness. We see Jesus is hungry. He's been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. I can imagine he's shaking. He's probably just like starving for some really good, I don't know, 
yams or something. I don't know what they ate, bread, <laughs> a loaf of bread, I don't know. Um, really hungry, and I can imagine he's walking home probably to get them to eat, and he's stopped by the devil. And see, at that moment, Jesus has every single reason to disobey because the truth is that he's hungry. Let's be real. He's human. Stomach growling, lips crusty. Let's be real. And so we see the devil challenges Jesus, but through that process, I can imagine, because a lot of times we don't, we don't understand that when we let our emotions take control, we won't really deal with the consequences until later. So I can see how amazing it could have been when Jesus overcame the devil. And going back home, finally getting to eat that meal and thinking to myself, like, imagine if I would have just obeyed then. Imagine what would have happened. Imagine how the whole restoration story would have just been put off. That's to some people here that do not let a moment ruin your life. Do not let your emotions ruin your life in a moment. Number two, the second example, Jesus led Peter and Judas knowing that they would forsake him. If some of us had pre-knowledge of the friends that would actually end up abandoning us, we would be so petty to them. Oh, can you come over? Oh, why do you want me to come over? Why do you want me to go out? I'm not paying, by the way. But Jesus was able to give his complete self, disciple these two individuals, knowing at some point that they would forsake him and abandon him. Do you know how hard that is? To have your emotions in check to the point that you know there's two individuals in your circle that are going to end up selling you off. And you still give all of yourself to them. And number three, one, I, one of the things I think that are probably the best examples of this of, of, of putting our emotions in check. We see Jesus is about to go to the cross pretty soon or he's going to be um, given up to authorities and before this all happens, he goes into the garden of Gethsemane and he, he, he's praying and, and what happens is that Jesus is sweating. Like he's, he's sweating to the point that it turns to blood. I'm sure we know that scripture. He's praying to God and, and what does Jesus say? If you could just take this cup of wrath away from me, right? Like, if there, is there any way? He's asking God, is there any way that I, can, I could avoid this? For some people, that may be a sign of fear, a sign of anxiety. But there's something that Jesus teaches us in this moment that I think we all need to understand and, and learn from. In Matthew 26, 39, it says, He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cut pass from me. And this is the part I want us to pay attention to. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. When it comes to our emotions, our complete posture shall always be, yes, this is my emotion, but not my will be done, but yours be done. I may feel sad, but not my will be done, but yours be done. It's not for us to put our emotions to the side. I'm not saying put your emotions to the side. I'm not saying ignore your emotions. In fact, embrace them. They're part of who you are. But realize at the end of the day, not my will but his will be done. The last thing I want to say, I use this imagery in the first service and I want to say it again. You know, I always use this, uh, this statement when it comes to just 
I always pray this as well, that God, I want you to be the driver of my life. Always be the driver of my life. And, and um, if, you, if you guys know, where do you usually put the kids? In a car? In the backseat, right? And so when I was thinking of this, this, um, of this, this, this sermon, I was thinking that it's amazing because many of us have given our emotions the driver and will in our life. In fact, for some of us, God is driving our life, but we've put our emotions in the passenger seat. And the reality is this. When we put our emotions in such a powerful position, our emotions are supposed to let us know and most supposed to let us know, like, this is not a good thing. And so would you, our emotions are most likely going to be the ones that if they see God going somewhere that doesn't look right, they will grab the will. But I would rather myself be in the passenger seat and my emotions in the back. Why? Because my emotions will always tell me, you're scared. You're anxious. Are you sure this is okay? And because I'm in the front, I can look at God and say, God, I'm a little bit scared. I don't know about this. And God can reaffirm me, and I can let him do him. But many of us, we need to make that switch. Take emotions out the front. Don't let emotions drive your life because you will crash. You will crash, and you won't be able to recover. In each of the cases that I've been talking about and everything I've been saying, I want us to just fully understand this. Don't suppress your emotions, but realize that our emotions allow us to learn about ourselves and keep us in response to take action. And so I just want us right now to just close our eyes because there's a few prayers I want us to pray when it comes to our emotions as we're talking about this. The first prayer that I want us to pray is the prayer for help. In a scripture, a man uh, once uh, is requesting healing for his family, and, and, and Jesus asks him, do you believe? And he says, uh, no, but help my unbelief. I think we can use that very same principle when it comes to our emotions. I don't know how to manage my emotions, God, but help me. Help me to learn how to manage my emotions. I just want us to pray that right now. God, help me to manage my emotions. I may be a little feisty sometimes. I may be a little bit triggered and angry sometimes, get annoyed sometimes, get upset, but God, help me to manage them. Help me to manage my emotions, Heavenly Father God. Help me to manage my emotions. Even as we're praying that, I also want us to just pray for a renewing of our mind and renewing of our desires. We prayed this last week as well, but I think it, it, it helps in this case too because there's a lot of things that, that it's not just a, it's just, it's not just a, Oh, I, I, I don't want to be angry. I don't want to be sad. I don't want to be anxious. But there has to be a renewing, a rewiring that we ask God for. Renew my mind. Renew my desires, Heavenly Father. And for many of us, I want us in this moment to admit, what is the emotion that we struggle with? Is it anxiety? Is it depression? Is it comparison? And at that, at that moment that you're thinking of what that thing is, you struggle with that emotion, I want you to address it and say to God, Lord, don't let this emotion limit me from following you. Lord, don't let this emotion take me out of my will. Lord, don't let this emotion take me out of my purpose. Lord, help me to manage this emotion. Lord, help me to manage this emotion. Help me to still be obedient, God, 
even though I may question sometimes. Help me to be obedient, God, even though I have an anxious, anxious personality, God. Help me to be obedient, God, even though I may be sad and I may not understand. Help me to be obedient, even if I, I may uh, be, be have, confused, God. Help me to obey you, even with all the emotions that I may encounter, God. I'm still closing our eyes. I know there's a few individuals here and online that we have to make the first step to even become someone that can walk with Christ. For other individuals, maybe you were walking with Christ at one time and maybe you want to renew your relationship with him. And so I want us to all say this together and for those that maybe want to give their life to Christ, maybe online or here in person, I want you to say these words and really mean it. So let's just say this together. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Help me to know you better. As I accept you today, take over my heart and dwell in me. Forgive me of my old ways and help me to change into the person you want me to be. I love you, Lord. And I proclaim that you are my God. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's just continue to keep our eyes closed. If that was you and you said that prayer and you really meant it, I just want you to just raise your hand up slightly. If that was you and you really meant that prayer, um, you, can, you, can, you can raise your hand if you're online as well. You can put saved inside the chat room. But if there's anybody who said that prayer and really meant it, they want to be in relationship with Christ and they want to renew the relationship with Christ, just, just raise your hand. Don't be shy. This moment is for you. It's for you and you alone. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So Heavenly Father, we say thank you for every single individual in this room, God. We say thank you, Lord, for this word, God, to pay the price of our emotions, God. Many of us did not count that as a cost, Heavenly Father God, but we choose to count it today and pay that cost, Lord. We pray, Heavenly Father God, that for every single individual in this room, help them to manage their emotions, God. For some that are, are, are struggling with anxiety, depression, God, comparison, Lord, anger. Heavenly Father, just as Paul said, God, I ask for the thorn to be removed from my side. For some of us, we may have been praying that that emotion is removed, Heavenly Father God, but maybe you put that there intentionally. So we pray, Heavenly Father, for the help to manage it. We pray, Heavenly Father, for those, God, that may have put their emotions in the driver's seat, God. We pray for a reshifting, God. Lord, you take control of our life, God. You take control of our life, Heavenly Father, God. Help us to manage our emotions, God. And for those, Lord, that maybe have deep trauma, have deep uh, insecurities, have, have a lot of things that maybe are, 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 are against them, Heavenly Father, God. We pray, Lord, give them the wisdom and the help, Heavenly Father, God, Lord whether it's therapy and you, Heavenly Father, God, whether it's someone that they can speak to, Heavenly Father, God, I pray for wisdom and understanding and knowledge, God, in their process, Lord, to be able to help them with their emotions, God. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Can we just give a clap? For Thank you for tuning in to the Gap Church Podcast. We hope this message blessed you. If you made that choice to give your life to Christ, congratulations. We celebrate you. Thank you so much and have a blessed week.